Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm just now realizing that the kissing booth will be a trilogy. Why didn't somebody tell me about this sooner? I mean, I'm Alex. (laughs) And I'm done with puberty. (laughs) I'm a man. And I forgot the kissing booth existed. I'm surprised I ever knew it existed. And surprise, surprise, our next trilogy announced. <laughs> we got to actually Did you actually introduce yourself? I'm Britain. Did I not If I'm not I'm Britain. I'm like the <laughs> Okay, so like one I, of us is wrong and there's no I way of knowing. Jokes. Here's a, here's a kind of the breakdown. <laughs> Tyler's the Leonardo of the group. He's our leader, stalwart and sturdy. Alex is kind of the Eeyore. And I guess what? I'm, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, um, well, in real life, I'm more like rabbit. You're <laughs> like uh, Donatello, but the painter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I know a lot about him, so it's super Perfect. accurate. And I'm a Libra. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So we we were concerned about this episode because we're discussing a movie that. We're afraid we could have a fairly monochromatic, which is ironic considering the movie, um, view of it. Uh, but let's just, that's right. Woo! There, <laughs> Tell him, Tyler. I would i would like the audience to know if you hear random clappings, uh, just one-off clappings, there's a fly buzzing around my head. And there we're not was a edit fly. That out. Look, not Ryan anymore. Johnson fly. directed this podcast, okay? <laughs> the fly <laughs> is part of it. <laughs> um, it's thematic, okay? Yeah, but but Continue yeah, th- th- this week we are perhaps re- underscoring your point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're reviewing a movie about uh, a character who could really take care of a fly, and uh, not just Jeff Goldblum. Alex, what movie is that this week that we love so much? It is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018, directed by Bob Perchietti. Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman, and it has a 97% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 93% audience score. Mm. I would like to state I'm not going to actually dive into the negative reviews that I saw for this one, but basically it came down to I need to state in a very factual way that everyone can agree with that I was not okay with the visual presentation of this movie. <laughs> Silliness. Um, <laughs> who wants to go first at trying to find the worst thing about this movie? I can go first. All right. Uh, because my worst thing could be spun into a positive. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spun. Anyways, uh, I think this is the best Spider-Man movie. It is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Uh, by by a pretty pretty sizable length um this kind of has everything that i want in a spider-man movie and I, th- I think it just has a ton of heart and it has like a perfect balance of humor and also being very dramatic and having really really fun uh heart pounding moments with action and i don't know just everything works about it on a spider-man level i think um my worst thing i'll start with that is that I wish there was more interactions between all the different spider people. I just need more group dynamics, and I think that's more of a leave-them-wanting-more situation mm-hmm. and not overplaying it. 
uh, and giving everyone the, the opportunity to uh, to start disliking any of the elements. They don't they don't right. outstay their welcome. Um, Nicholas Cage is, as Spider Man Noir could could never outstay his welcome. But, uh, <laughs> he should have a spinoff movie. That's correct. He, all of them should have a spinoff movie. But specifically, like he would be first up. He should be yeah. first up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the movie knows it that it has to be focused on Miles, and that ultimately it is his story, it is his character arc, and all of this other stuff is just for fun. Um, but I, I really, I want a whole movie where it's like, you no, know, we're, we've got the team. We're going on a mission as the team. So that's, that's my worst thing. Uh, my best thing is just going to be something that I, I briefly talked about. Uh, the movie just has a ton of heart. And I, I think, uh, that's one of the things that I've kind of been having issues with in terms of oh, some of the previous Spider-Man movies is that I feel like the character arc and, and kind of where we are with, with the protagonist, whether it's Peter Parker or somebody else, it's just, I'm not feeling it. And this one, I really feel it. Um, when Miles, you know, he, after he hears his dad talking to him from outside his room, and then he goes and gets his suit, he uh, paints it up uh, in his own style. And then he, he jumps off the building to, to what's up danger. Like all of that every time gets me. Um, yeah, I, I think the movie does a wonderful job attacking the theme of anyone can be Spider-Man and kind of taking Stanley's initial concept of, Oh, well we put this guy in a, in a mask, not just because it's a secret identity, but it's also because the reader can imagine themselves as Spider-Man. Um, and it kind of makes it, you know, puts it up front and center and the quote at the end that they put in from Stanley is yeah. perfect. Uh, so yeah, this is I I think this is in the top at least five superhero movies ever made. Um, surprise, surprise! I'll probably be giving this an A plus at the end of this. Um, I think it's probably between. Gosh, it's probably just between this and Logan at this point. Mm. Uh, for me, is like. I'm trying to think of anything else kind of comes close. Maybe Dark Knight. Um, but yeah, I, I think top tier superhero material. Yeah. It's no steel, but yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I can definitely piggyback off of that because I completely agree. I, I've seen all the other Spider-Man movies except for Spider-Man 3, and I have very blurry memories of all of them. Except for this one, which I do think is essentially perfect. Like that's the that's the thing I, I always say about the movie when I talk to my friends about it is like I think it's basically perfect. Like I don't I don't know what it does wrong. Um, similarly, my my worst thing was going to be that we don't get enough of some of the the other Spider people, specifically Penny Parker, Spider Man Noir, and Spider Ham, because I like those characters. I wanted to see more of them, but at the same time, the the balance is exact. I mean especially I think Spider-Ham could have become a really annoying character if if, if he doesn't, if they didn't hit the right note or cast the right person or overuse him and they don't do any of those things. They cast John Mulaney, who's brilliant. The writing is so, he's so beautifully woven into things comedically and like it's, it just works. So I, I, I think that even though I did want more of those characters, I ultimately think they hit the right balance with it. And so great, like, you at you even your potential flaw you did well. Um, my best thing I wouldn't even know where to start, so I'm just gonna give two things I can mention succinctly and say those are my best things because it's really just the whole presentation. Uh, one is 
my favorite shot in the movie, one of my favorite shots in movies, which is Miles after he dives off the building to what's up danger where it slipped upside down. So it looks like he's going up into the buildings. Yeah, that's it. Like that's the movie. That's the shot. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's it. That's my favorite. One of my favorite movie images. Um, and the other is Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker. And the whole cast is brilliant. We're going to highlight everybody. We're going to talk about how, how good each person is, but like Jake Johnson is really good in this movie. And right. it's yes. a, it's a great, like, in, in the initial read is like, oh, they got Nick from New Girl to be the, like, schlubby Spider-Man. Oh, I get it. And he is, and he plays it really well, but, like, there's a lot of heart to that character. And there's a lot of, like, ache and, like, regret and pain to that character that he sells so perfectly. And his line about you, there is no right moment, it's just a leap of faith, is so just universally applicable you can use that for so many things and i've had to use that for myself like in getting myself to make decisions in life and he delivers it so beautifully it's such a great line but he delivers it beautifully and i think he's just really really special in this movie um and i remember when i went to see it i went in being like oh i know that you know john mulaney's gonna be really funny and cage is gonna be great like for sure and i just wasn't i mean i'm a big new girl fan and jay johnson's awesome on that mm-hmm. show but I just, I wasn't thinking about him. And when I left the movie, I was like, he was so good in that. It's just a great performance uh, amidst a ton of great performances. So those yeah, are mine. I, just, just real quick on that. I think it's easy. And I, I actually made this comment while Tyler and I were watching it this last round. Um, I was, I think it's easy to go, well, I kind of wish that they had Andrew Garfield be one of the, the Peter Parkers and have uh, Tobey Maguire be the other one. Mm. And I, I do still kind of lean into that impulse but ultimately like chris pine and then jake johnson like they're perfect yeah um so it's just like well maybe we can use andrew garfield and toby Maguire in in a sequel or something sure. if they're not going to be used in the live action movies maybe they will who knows we'll find out <laughs> yeah yeah um my worst thing about this movie is that the sequel's not out yet <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna Put that there, and then when they uh, release a sequel, then my worst thing will be resolved. So it's, it's more of a submitting a uh, ticket uh, for that issue, and I would like that to be fixed at some point. Um, the IT yeah, department I, that is Sony Animation. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I I remember watching this at the time, and it, it had been very hyped up. I hadn't watched it like right away. Like It, it had been a few weeks. I, at least since it had been out. Um, and I remembered being like whelmed by it. I think as I was watching it, I was trying to like form my own expectations for where it was going to go and what we were going to get. Um, I, I could not tell you now what exactly I w- was expecting to happen differently, but I just remember at the time I was like, yeah, that was good. That was cool. Um, and not really feeling like I had this, this big connection with it. I mean, watching it this time, I, I, I have no qualms. I don't know. I don't know what, I was thinking maybe I was tired. <laughs> I don't know, but like, yeah, it, it's incredible. I think <clears throat> my best thing is probably going to be the music overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause for one, you've got Daniel Pemberton um, who has done a lot of movies and some of which we've talked about. He did birds of prey. And I think hmm. I probably, I don't remember if I brought him up. I should have, cause I think he did, a, does a good job with that. Um, the score for this movie really, really works. And then also, there's a ton of collaborations with really talented artists. Uh, yeah. I'll admit most of whom I wouldn't normally listen to. Sure. Um, but like so much of the music works. 
it, it the yeah the movie the movie just has such a, a specific musical identity that I think is immediately recognizable. Um, kind of flip flopping from Teen Titans Go <laughs> to the movies, which we were complaining about that with, like this has such a strong uh, musical and visual style. Like that's just like this is what we're doing. This is we know exactly what we're going for and what kind of vibe we're trying to give you. Um, and it's great. Uh, I could also praise the animation. Um, which might be a, a a good next place to take it to because I didn't, I don't think I picked up as much the first time around just how much they make like the different Spider-Man, Spider-Man and girl and pig distinct. <laughs> um, having uh, Spider-Man Noir and, and his like black and white style clashing with the other ones, it, it it's so cool. And I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Um, the characters just look good yeah. in this. <laughs> like, <clears throat> no, <laughs> the designs are, are yeah. spectacular. I saw somebody, I can't remember who, an animator, someone who knows about this stuff, talking about how Miles and Peter B. Parker were animated at different rates. So, like, one mm. of them is at X frames per second and Miles is at fewer frames per second. So he looks a little, like, slightly more herky-jerky not, that he, not herky-jerky but like he's a little more stilted yeah. and then as he starts training and getting better he starts to i think it's in that scene where they're escaping from the uh alchemax and they're swinging through mm-hmm. the trees that i think that it was in that scene that they started to animate him at the same rate fr- or frame rate as they did peter b parker um which is something i was really trying to pay attention to that this time and i i'm just not my eye is not honed enough for yeah, that kind of same. thing um your brain but, noticed it right but you've got multiple different animation styles between those characters. And that even within the movie, they'll switch up like comics animations and glitching of mm-hmm. effects and how like even just the way that Miles interacts with the world after he gets bitten by the spider. Like it's just crazy yeah. how much detail they put into it. And then you just get that it's a very dynamic, flowing, extremely colorful <laughs> Well, the interesting thing for me um, in terms of kind of the frame rate differences and, and kind of how they change up just like the pacing of character movement and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, for some reason, that just doesn't bother me when it comes to animation. Like I, I talk all the time about like Mad Max Fury Road. Love that movie. I don't like how they, they – apparently it's not speeding up the footage. It's cutting out frames. So that it's huh. kind of the same thing that they did here. So that's why it's it, – it, in that – like the movement's a lot faster and it's a little herky jerky. Um, but for some reason in terms of it being animated and I don't know why that it just doesn't bother me the same way as it does live action. Um, so I think kind of leaning into like it's stylistic sensibilities, like it definitely works. Um, and I know there are, there are some people, like I said, most of the, the negative reviews I saw, they just didn't like the animation style and that seemed to be distracting. Um, I think I've heard of people that got headaches from it. Hmm. Um, but that might just be like seeing it up on the big screen versus like yeah. actually watching it at home and you can kind of <laughs> look around and do other things. Um, but yeah, I think this just as like a visual presentation, I, I have a hard time looking away from it. <laughs> yeah. I remember I saw this two days after I saw Mary Poppins returns, which I haven't talked about on the podcast. I is a movie I really love. And it at the time it was just such as like a relief for me i was i felt like i was seeing a musical movie that was f- filmed really well and edited really nicely and 
got the momentum of the dancing and everything really well. And then two days later, I saw this, and I was like, this is an even better use of momentum and in, in tandem with music. And there are so many shots in this movie and so many frames of this movie that are are filmed from these different angles, like Peter B. Parker and uh, 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 Miles just like walking around the walls of an apartment building and talking when the fire escape. And they're just, mm-hmm. the camera's just twisting around and they're just playing with angles all over the place in a way that doesn't feel it, it's so dynamic and crazy but I, you can still completely follow everything and i think it's that for all as as unhinged as this movie looks it doesn't feel out of control everything feels so deliberate and so chosen and so thorough it just feels like the the animators and the directors had a ton of fun with it and really just went what can we do Let, let's make every frame of this fun and exciting in some way but we're not just completely not paying attention anymore. Like there's everything still has a purpose, even if that purpose is just to be entertaining. We've, I don't know. It still feels so guided and steady within something so kinetic and, and vivacious. Yeah. And yeah, the music is, is, is incredible because you don't, it's, it's rare. I think to come across a movie that has a soundtrack and not just a score, but has such an identity and all of the, that soundtrack feels so organic and woven into the scores. It doesn't feel like needle drops, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like and I don't have a problem with the, with that in movies. That's fine when you can do it well, but it all just feels woven together in this long, like quilt thread or something. It's it's just it's extraordinary. <laughs> I just well, don't know how they do it. It also helps that they do try and make at least some of the the actual needle drops uh, diegetic, um, right? Right. Like Sun, Sunflower. That's a song he's Miles is actively listening to, and yeah. I, I love the bit of him like he continues to try and sing it, and he doesn't mm-hmm. know all the words, so he's just kind of yeah, Sunflower. You know, I, I that that's, there's just so many little touches like that, and and you know Peter B. Parker calls the flash drive a goober. Yeah, and he's just like there's always a thing. We just call it a goober. <laughs> well, and and the, 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 none of the songs, to my knowledge anyway, or n- most of the songs are not songs I would, was already familiar with. So sure. it's not like you're watching the obvious dig here is Suicide Squad. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're doing that. Oh, I get it. House of the Rising Sun. Oh, I get it. But with this, it's music I wasn't familiar with. And so I wasn't thinking about how they're playing Journey or something. There are, of course, some recognizable songs, but most of those I think are, are very they're almost played for as a joke in some cases. Yeah. Um, yeah it, just forget about it. <laughs> um, going along with the animation style and just kind of all the, the levels of detail that they have, how did we feel about kind of the overall references to kind of Spider-Man lore and, and things like that? I think for the most part, the stuff that I tended to notice was just like the Raimi references. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Particularly at the beginning. <laughs> um, I do like the nice touch of, and maybe this is why I actually prefer them going with Chris Pine and, and Jake Johnson over doing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Um, I like how they, they basically say, yeah, this Spider-Man has kind of lived through events like in those other movies, but it's not the same. So yeah. it's like going with the whole alternate universe idea. Um, that opening where it's just like, yeah, I, I, Mary Jane and I were sitting in a cafe and somebody threw a car at us and <laughs> I just punched it. 
<laughs> oh, hey, I stopped a train. <laughs> like, remember right. that movie? Oh, hey, I did the dancing. Oh, wait, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I obviously I, I, I'm not. There are so many references in this to comic lore and stuff that I just wasn't picking up on and costumes and stuff. But I think it's done really well. And I like that it there's so much throwback to it, but it still has a distinct view. And it's still very much like this is our version of the Green Goblin. This is our version of Kingpin and our version of Doc, uh, Doc Ock. With, mm-hmm. Well, we're also acknowledging the, you know, 50 plus year of uh, history of this character. Um, I think that's hard to do and impressive um, to do. And uh, yeah, I, I really liked how, well, I just really liked Doc Ock in this in general. Catherine Hahn is so good. <laughs> She's so good yeah. at stuff. Like, I really love the line where she says, oh, my friends call me Liv, actually. My enemies call me Doc Ock, which is, like, a really cool line. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, like, get to the, you get to the bit where they're attacking uh, Aunt May's yes. house, and Aunt May goes, oh, great, it's Liv. One of the best jokes in the movie. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Lily Tomlin is a gem. I think that's so good. But, like, I, I love how... I like you have a balancing of tone. I like that this movie, which is ostensibly a comedy, the villains are still threatening. Like there's still something scary about Kingpin. There's still something scary about that version of Doc Ock. They're not just jokes. They have Spider-Man dies 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, sure. And it's it's not played as a joke. (laughs) No. And that's, yeah, like the fact that they stuck with that being where Miles Morales kind of gets his inspiration and that he's he's living in this world where he's got the all these expectations to live up to um because of the fact that there was this guy who you know did was such an inspiration and and he's trying to figure out how to be that um it's i i'm really glad they stuck with that i feel like they could have easily taken that out and made this more of just Oh, he's just, you know, he's a kid and he figures out he has spider powers. And oh my gosh, yeah. there's other Spider-Men somewhere. No, it's it, it, it very much leans into that and the fact that, like, that was a huge loss. And that was a huge loss to him as a hero. And then also allows us to compare that to Peter B. Parker and uh, the life he's led and the mistakes he's made. And the fact that he got a lot longer than this other Spider-Man, but he seems to be, you know, kind of floundering that or, or uh, not utilizing that opportunity he's been given. Um. Yeah, it. I, I'm so glad they stuck with that and really went with the pathos of that. Uh, because they, I think they easily could have cleaned that up and made it a lot. Yeah. They they could have just made it. Uh, oh, his son gold dies. Uh, sure. Which is also like, I mean, it, obviously that's yeah. the original Spider-Man's inspiration. Yeah. Um, and they could have just stuck with that and they could have just turned that into like the biggest thing and, and made that work. But the fact that he's you know this character that's kind of defined by so much loss and fighting through that uh yeah i i think it makes it work really well and not to continue racking on teen titans go to the movies but i think the references in this go so much beyond that or like the even the deadpool movies or anything like that because the references in this movie are played like comic book references they're not Mm -hmm. played in a way that is, hey, audience, you saw this movie. Well, guess what? We're talking about it in this sure. movie. <laughs> it's different. It's, yeah. no, we're, we're treating this as if it's a big shared universe and we've got all these toys to play with. Yeah. Um, And that just makes it so much more 
enjoyable. And that's what's the, the draw of comics is for me is that they, it might be tongue in cheek, but they take this stuff seriously and they take lore and continuity and the, the backstory. They, they make those front and center front and center, big parts of the characters and the stories. Um, and I think it's a shame to, to just play those up for laughs when you can also use that again as a way, for example, in this, you have Peter B. Parker, who is playing on the audience's expectations of who Spider-Man should be and ends up having a really compelling character arc. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's so smart. It's so yeah. smart the way they've distilled so much about Spider-Man and comics and what makes them great into a movie that makes or that is so much about what makes animation great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One that even within that the 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 variety of spider characters there are they those are also different styles of animation and it's a history of mm-hmm. animation there's black and white cartoons there's looney tunes there's anime like it's it's a variety of animation styles that are being celebrated and not and yes used right. in used comedically but not played off as jokes necessarily like i really like there's a part where um during the big final fight where uh uh what is it uh spider-man noir is is fighting off one of the goons and he punches him and he's saying like oh yo turtle slapper and he's using mm-hmm. all these terms and he punches him and the like kapow says applesauce <laughs> which is great <laughs> um and and something that really stuck out to me this time around or or, or well tell what you were saying about uh uh using the history and the lore the fact that this movie knows that it doesn't have to do too much work to hit us emotionally with the death of spider-man mm-hmm. it still sets up the spider-man it still gives us that little bit of inroad because they just opened the movie with like spider-man died that it doesn't it would just almost seem mean but that it gets us okay this is who spider-man is and this is miles who we get very compelled by and very invested in and you have this character who i like that they didn't try to create this whole thing where miles was like spider-man meant the most in the world to me because I was thinking about this today, I sometimes I feel like comic fans think that because they read a comic book when they were a kid, or they've read a comic book X amount of times, they are the expert on that character, and they are the definitive, like, they they get that character like nobody else ever will, which I, I would never want to take away that importance of a character to somebody, but, like, I, I think people can get a little overzealous about, or assume that because they love something so much, they are therefore the authority on it. A little and more like uh, gatekeeping mentality. Right, right, exactly. And it's like a lot of people read that book when they were a kid. All of our perspectives are precious. You're not the only one to whom this means something special. You're the only one who had your experience, but you're not the only one who had a, an experience. Right. And, and, and so I like that, that they do make it personal for Miles by having him be present and having this idea of like, Oh, I guess I have Spider-Man powers. You're my mentor. Okay. Oh, you just died. Like no. that becomes a very personal thing for Miles that we feel, and it doesn't. So many movies would make that be like, why, Miles? Why do you care? You didn't know him. Like they managed to set it up in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's. And it, it, it really hit me this time watching it. How many lines are? How much setup and payoff there is in this movie? How many lines come back a second or third time in the? in the second part of the movie that feels so earned and so emotional, the shoulder touch, uh, Miles saying to Peter B about, you have to, you know, it's a leap of faith. Um, the 
you know, his dad's saying, I see the spark in you. And then he gets electric powers. Like there's so much in this movie that just comes back a second time around about, oh, I get to like the haircut that mm-hmm. they don't feel like when they first come around, like, oh, this is the OK catchphrase. This is the Chekhov's gun. It just feels like, oh, a cool line in the movie. Oh, they used it again. And it, it means multiple things. And it's really great. Yeah. Um, it's just that's so impressive. I it, it's hard to make that stuff work. Um, yeah, and they do. Were did with the first time you guys saw it? Did you were you surprised by the reveal that his uncle is the 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 one of the bad guys? Or even if you weren't surprised, were you bothered that you weren't surprised? I I'm pretty sure I knew the twist. Mm-hmm. Only because Donald Glover in Homecoming plays that character. And mm. I just, I, I heard probably just looking online that, oh, that's supposed to be Miles Morales's uncle. So oh. I think I, I, I was kind of aware of it. Maybe not, you know, up front, like, oh, yeah. I know he is the bad guy. But it, it wasn't a surprise to me, probably just because I had that knowledge. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I ever actually read the comics up to that point. Uh, like the original issues that star Miles Morales. Um, so I don't know if I have actually read it, but I definitely knew going in that okay. that was the, the background is that, yeah, it's the uncle. Uncle is the bad guy. Uncle gets killed. Sadness. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so. Okay. Because I, I didn't know. And it's. I, I Again, it's it's. It could almost feel too simple to be like he also lost his uncle <laughs> you know yeah. but uh i mean the movie makes it work and like yeah i don't know i i i, I when well, i was watching it this time this is the third time i've seen it i was watching it and trying to think like is it obvious like i now i know the twist so of course i'm seeing but is it is it obvious that he's the bad guy and I still don't think it is. I still think they do a pretty good job. Like the closest is that he gets a phone call when they're doing the graffiti tag, and he's like, "Miles, I gotta go." Yeah. But like, I feel like this is one of those cases where even if you guess the twist, that doesn't mean the movie failed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he's in the movie enough to really have that in your right. mind. Right. Right. Um, I think they do a good job of like we have him when we need him, and then the surprise actually matters. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, he's not the bad guy. He's yeah. You know, it's very. Um, it, it it works very well, I think, to have him have that role in the movie of someone who has gotten stuck working for the Kingpin. Um, and the fact that like there's clearly that tension between like Miles and his dad, and yeah. and what you know him not understanding why his dad doesn't really get along with his uncle anymore. Um, that all is so interconnected in terms of just what how Miles kind of sees these relationships um i think it it works very well to have him be like someone who is is very much making his own choice to do this but also uh clearly got kind of roped in and and uh that you know never wanted to to end up in that world um yeah oh yeah I, i think they do such a good job distinguishing those two relationships where on the one hand you have a police officer who is, by all accounts, a good person who has this difficult relationship with his son because he has these high expectations. And then you have someone who, even before we know he's one of the bad guys, we just know, like, oh, he's maybe he's kind of a 
kind of the rebel, kind of the ne'er-do-well, kind of the like the black sheep of the family, you know, kind of the one who's like, I don't know. And, but he has this really easy relationship, which part of that is just uncle versus father, but they do such a good job setting, setting those up and understanding why miles has these relationships without making us dislike anybody. Like his dad's great. (laughs) Like we never dislike his dad. We just understand why there's that difficulty in that relationship. Um, yeah. And it still doesn't feel like overplayed, uh, and also, Brian Tyree Henry is great. And mm-hmm. when he tries to get him to say "I love you" over the 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 speaker on the cop car, that's so funny. And obviously, Uncle Aaron is played by Mahershala, so of course it's going right. to work. <laughs> yeah. Right. They do a really good job of tweaking the origin story, so it's not just a a lame ripoff. Yeah. Um. Like it's interesting to see. You know, what if Spider Man didn't come from a broken home? What if he had two loving parents that? And completely changing the dynamic of of with great power comes great responsibility. Now it's just like we expect you to be great and we expect great things of you. Let's see what what you can do. Um, and I, I really, really appreciate that they're able to tweak that. And it's like, oh, you know, he does have an uncle that dies. And that's that's very important for his origin story. But it's also not the main contributing factor. And he's the bad guy or a bad guy. So. Yeah, I, I think there's there's just a lot of neat little touches. Um, that way it doesn't feel like, oh, we just have like an arbitrary, you know, just like, oh, we, for the sake of diversity, we're going to change up Spider-Man's race and, and just have like a new character. Right. Like th- this actually feels like a story worth telling. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, it's so, when I was watching it last night, I kept thinking like, okay, at what point does he go and get the suit? Is it? Because just what are the order of events here? And I really love because again it echoes uh, the the line about there is no right moment. It's just it's when you choose it. That there are multiple points in this movie where any other movie would go, and now he gets the suit and decides he's Spider Man. And that could be when Spider Man dies. It could be when Aaron dies. There's a there's multiple places where he could have that like no now I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. But instead, it's when his dad has a talk with him about, like, I don't mean to be hard on you. I just know there's something incredible in you. And you realize it's not just that moment. It's the culmination of the entire movie up to that point. And it's still be you realize that that moment happens because Miles chose it, not because the, 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 the script needed him to or because, well, something big happened. So he reacted with something big. Not that that can't work in other movies, but. It really feels in this like a a chosen heroism, chosen heroism, which is more moving, I think, and more powerful and more rewarding when you see him jump off the building and then it works. It clicks in. He's swinging around and it's he's it's this incredible moment because, you know, he's there because he made that decision for himself. No, it's OK, Britain. They're going to they're going to enhance it. The experience in the sequel, they're going to say that uh, secretly his parents were working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and (laughs) they end up dying under mysterious circumstances. And there's this huge action scene on a plane while they're trying to upload this thing using a Sony computer. And ultimately, it's going to be like, oh, Miles was meant to to find the spider in the subway. It was destiny. Yeah. And then they'll leave the prequel TV show, Brooklyn, where uh, we find out that. I don't know, Scorpion went to school with him, with his dad or something. (laughs) 
Tyler, why did they do the parents thing in the Amazing Spider-Man movies? Why, why did, why, why, why did they do that? I, I, I cannot explain Sony to you. I really can't. I mean, we, none of us can explain Sony because they produce this. <laughs> Avi exactly. Arad's name is on this. <laughs> yes. What do I make of that? <laughs> the the man finally got a win. <laughs> the man's got an Oscar now. For mm-hmm. what? This? Oh, for the oh oh oh. oh. oh you one know, Spider Man Three. <laughs> for yeah, for original script for adapted best, screenplay. Best attempt at making the worst movie of all time. um how did y'all feel about kingpin kind of being the main antagonist because i'm kind of two minds about it mostly in terms of i know kingpin is technically a spider-man bad guy but i think in pop culture he really has turned into a daredevil bad guy i think everyone associates Mm -hmm. him with daredevil um, so I just thought it was kind of a weird choice that they would go with him instead of just saying female Doc Ock. That's our yeah. villain. I, yeah. I think I was going to say just from a, a comic background, I think he he splits them pretty well uh, because he was originally a Spider-Man villain. But um, pretty quickly, I think he gets picked up by Daredevil as well. And like the the, the classic Frank Miller Daredevil run uh, has Kingpin in it. So like. That's back in the 80s, I believe. Um, yeah, that sounds right. So, like, I think he can work both either way. And I like the fact that he is a character who can be used to assemble other villains without having to worry too much about them. You can just have, like, this is our main villain. We don't really have to explain why other villains are working for him because he has a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> and, like, that's... He is paying big supervillains to do to to be his bruisers, and that's all you really need. Yeah, I I was fine with it because this is one of those movies that is really not about the villains. As great as the villains are, like I think the villains are awesome in this. It is much more about Miles becoming Spider Man, and they sure. are the they are the the setting against which that happens. Um, I also just really love that look of Kingpin that he's. Mm-hmm. This like massive wall of just a black suit and his head and Leah Schreiber of course is is doing great, right. but I like that this is a kingpin who both like you said can pay all these other villains and hire all these all these guns, but does also beat Spider Man to death and like is also a physically imposing powerful person which I know Vincent D'Onofrio as well, um, yeah I don't know I liked it and I just liked this take on him I liked that he was unabashedly an animated character like they didn't try to make him look too... I don't know, he doesn't have, like, two realistic dimensions. Mm-hmm. He just looks like a cartoon, and I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's true of the movie in general, that, like, it is unabashedly animated, and that is that is a win. <laughs> that's a yeah. good thing. I do like to imagine that this is a sequel to the, the Netflix Daredevil show, and that is supposed <laughs> to be Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin, <laughs> who's opening all these dimensions and everything. <laughs> Yeah, just carefully yeah. making his eggs as he opens dimensions. That would be <laughs> very good if he was the reason the multiverse opens in the next Spider-Man movie. He's just <laughs> like, I just decided to make a dimension opening portal. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. I thought it would accompany my omelet. 
Well, I also really like that this movie doesn't it doesn't try to get into larger like Marvel characters. It's not like, yeah, well, you know, helped out the Avengers or they don't have like it's mm-hmm. just Spider it's a Spider-Man. That's all we got. We have so much within it. Well, I think that's because this is a Sony movie. It's not well, sure, a Marvel sure, movie. Sure, sure, sure. Which I mean, play into your strengths, like don't Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Close it off. You know, that <laughs> it'll well, be they, interesting seeing how they do their other kind of Sony only films because I remember and who knows, this could just be like a stupid marketing gimmick. I remember one of the after credit scene for Venom is elsewhere in the Spider Verse, and then it's like a preview of this movie. Hmm. So it's <laughs> like, okay. I don't know if that's supposed to lead somewhere. I don't know if probably not, but um, yeah, I think act- it helps that they actually have Spider-Man in this movie. Unlike uh, all the their live action movies that don't have right. Spider-Man. <laughs> but well, I, I'm I'm guessing that that Oscar Isaac, uh, uh, Spider-Man character in the post credits. I'm guessing that's going to be a pretty big element in the sequel. Yeah, um, I would assume so. Which in and of itself, that could almost work as a one and done. Like, oh, sure. We've yeah. got this really cool thing. We'll do a sequel, but we're never seeing him again. Yeah, no, that <laughs> would, would be pretty fun. I would almost be happy enough with that. And I like how they save, like, we're going to do a, a joke of a meme. I like how they save that to the after credit scene and yeah. it doesn't take up like five minutes in the middle of the movie. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, everything else, they it, it's quick. And they get out of the way fast. The dance, Spider-Man 3 dance, the popsicle. Yeah. They just knock it out like, hey, remember the jokes we all know and they're not funny anymore because we do them every time we talk about Spider-Man? Here they are. Yeah. Now back to the actual stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's yes, just, it, yeah, it's brilliant. The, the end credits is Spider-Man 2099. And I assume that that's going to be a thing that is... I feel like they put too much effort into the design of him and he has a like virtual assistant. I forget what the name of that character yeah. is, but... Um, I well, like they also they have, to... like, in that scene before he shows up in the 60s cartoon, they establish, like, oh, he actually knows about the multiverse, and they're talking right. about this device that he's using to teleport in between them. Um, which, did they just give him the time travel device from Endgame? Sure. <laughs> um, just dimension hopping all over the place? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot of setup that goes into that scene. It does yeah. really feel like, oh, he's coming back. No, for sure. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, because I naturally when they announced a sequel to this, I was like, "Why? You have it. You did it. Leave it alone." But watching this movie, there is a lot at the end that is like, "Okay, they were the people who wrote this were aware that like this could get a sequel, so let's have some ideas." Yeah. They have the portal open at the end, and you hear uh, Spider Gwen talking to Miles. Like, do kind of like the idea of an army of Spider Man doing an endgame like charge <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be stupid but at the same time i kind of want it that's something that i am really curious about what because the comic i'm gonna look this up because i cannot remember uh the comics have a, a villain that is like i think oh the inheritors the inheritors that's that's what it is um i think they were set up in some capacity before or or some other writer before i think dan slot wrote spider-verse um some other writer did the the groundwork for that and then he took that from there 
Um, basically, the idea is that it's these like crazy, big, immortal, super powerful guys who are uh, trying to kill all the spider totem people, uh, which is just everyone who is a version of Spider-Man. Um, and they don't do that, which is smart. It's, it's smart in this movie to rely on the classic villains. I'm really curious where they're going to take that in the next movie and like who the actual villain's going to be. I feel like you could easily just do like symbiotes. You could do venom and carnage and, and work that in somehow. Um, I think there's enough there that you wouldn't have to do anything crazy like that. But like, I'm curious what direction they'll take it when they're looking for a, um, universe threatening villain. Sure. Or multiverse threatening villain. I should say. Uh, for a while still working only within the Spider-Man mythos. Like I'm, I'm interested to see what they come up with there. The vulture. Probably only, (laughs) (laughs) but they, they do a meta thing where they bring John Malkovich in to do the voice because he was supposed to be vulture in Spider-Man four, I believe. Oh, was he? That's interesting. (laughs) That's an interesting idea. (laughs) How did y'all um, feel about the spider cave? Oh, it was cool. Yeah. It's really cool, but at the same time, I'm like, it's just the bat cave. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> did it, I, didn't, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, cool. That's where he's going to get his stuff. Yeah. Well, um, even like the, the way that the suits are framed in their little glass cases, I was like, yeah. that's, that's the bat cave. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Batman is the fourth most famous superhero, so, mm-hmm. you know, you got to reference him somehow. It's Superman, Spider-Man, Amethyst, Batman. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're right. Five. Fifth. Yeah, you're, okay, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. Batman's the fifth. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus is three. <laughs> <laughs> like the Trinity. Exactly. Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man, Superman, and Jesus. Yeah, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spider. <laughs> Into the Jesus verse. Anyways. <laughs> um, I did want to point out uh, Haley Steinfeld as Spider-Gwen is yeah. very good in the movie. She's um, always good. <laughs> She's so yeah. good. And it is really cool that I don't know. I feel like the the natural inclination would have been we're going to give Spider-Gwen a movie of her own. That just seems like such a Sony thing to do of like we need a Spider-Gwen movie because we don't actually have Spider-Man. So we'll just do something with her Um, or they do have Spider-Man. You know what I mean? He's tied with the MCU. Um, But I don't know. I, I feel like just introducing her in this supporting character role and kind of letting her grow and. develop a relationship with miles instead of you know something with peter like you would expect um i think it's very interesting i don't know if this is in the comics but her her origin story is that peter became the lizard and then died from that right i don't know if that's very very interesting well they show her obviously she talks about mourning peter parker but they also see her uppercutting a lizard at one point so no yeah i um Uh, I was going to say real quick, we haven't actually shouted out Shamik Moore yeah, uh, as oh, Miles God. Morales, uh, who is great 
real yeah, good. Phenomenal. <laughs> like, phenomenal. I feel like we haven't even been mentioning it because it doesn't even stick out because it, it's the performance that carries the movie. But yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs> he's totally brilliant. I, and it's something that like you, you don't, Miles is just so fully realized. You don't even think about someone playing Miles. You just think about Miles. Yeah. Which is, of course, because Shamik Moore is very good at it. I am really glad that we talked about with like, they don't have to do, they don't have to build a whole lot with Peter Parker because we know him. And the same with MJ. Like we already know Mary Jane. So every time she's used in this movie, there's already weight and gravity to that. But they, they do do a little more with Gwen Stacy and that they do all these characters that we are very familiar with. They either just use them sparingly or they have a very different take on them. Like Doc Ock or Peter B. Parker, where it's like, this is kind of a, what happens when Spider-Man is a is a full adult, not just a guy in his twenties, but like a forty yeah. year old man. Like, what does that mean? And I think I think they just do an interesting. There's a great joke where talk about he's talking about sneaking into uh, Alchemax, and he's like, "Okay, so step one, we infiltrate. Step two, but with uh, this the 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 head or the boss or whatever." And Miles says, "Well, yeah, she's a she's a woman. I saw her in this documentary." And he goes, step three, work on, look at my preconceived notions. Step four. <laughs> it's just, and then of course the bagel bit, come on. Like the gag of the, you, you would expect Spider-Man to go swinging in there. And he's like, no, we take the bus. Yeah. You realize how far we have to travel. And that's, that's a nice setup and payoff. Cause at the end, when all the, the spider people are going to, to Alchemex. Yeah. You, you see them very quickly running out of a bus and then swinging. Like, it's very neat. Very neat. Uh, it's so good. How did y'all think about, uh, how did y'all feel about Penny Parker? Um, I thought she was great. Uh, she is the one, she, of course, loses her, her robot, uh, is, is broken, which is a shame. Uh, I thought she was great. I, maybe she is the one I wanted a little more from, mm. since she's I can slightly, that, yeah. she's slightly less gimmicky. Than and I also right. like that she's not just a bunch of anime jokes. Like that would have been so easy for everything she does to be a big anime trope or over the top, right? To where it's just reactions like, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And she says kawaii all the time or something. And I liked that it. It, it instead it just felt like this cool character. And I, I because noir and Spider Ham are essentially jokes. They're not just jokes, but that's so much what they are. You do want to limit your intake on those, but I think we could have used a little bit more with her. Um, Cause she's just like a, a neat character and it's a cool kind of twist that she's friends with the spider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff. I last just like comment. Go- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the last comment of note I had, uh, I think this handles a superhero uh, losing faith in himself and going fat much better than Endgame. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so Joseph just pulled over to the side of the road to fume for a minute. <laughs> and then like, come back together. Joseph, I'm going to guide you through this one, buddy. Okay, just pull over. Just No, Joseph's just, just like, I don't understand why he doesn't like Ragnarok. Listen, fat, so, Thor doesn't get Alex, fat in Alex, that one, okay? Alex, trying, why doesn't Alex, he love it? Sir, sir, may I speak? Joseph is driving erratically right now. <laughs> yes, I'm trying he, needs to... To, he needs to pull over by taking his steering wheel, <laughs> turning to the right... <laughs> yeah, Joseph, uh, I'm going to try and talk you down. Let's talk about Spider-Man: Far From Home, and then <laughs> just want to shift your your car into park. Take both feet well, off of those pedals, my dude. Make sure you're pressing the brake pedal before. Right, yeah, do that. Shift into park. 
Um, you want to find a spot on the side of the road that's going to be kind of out of the way from people. Right. Um, and that's also going to allow you to safely re-enter when you've decided you're good to drive again. If you see farmland, that's a good thing. It'll bring mm-hmm. you some calm. And just kind of mm-hmm. breathe. I want you to go in through your nose and out through your nose. Try to not let any mouth breathing slip out. We re- this this is the through this whole podcasting, our breath is the center of our podcast. So just in through the nose and out through the nose. Now try not to fidget. You're gonna want to fidget, by which I mean punch your rearview mirror. That's not gonna do you any good because you're not gonna see all the mopeds and everything behind you. You are in Italy right now, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna want to. Remember that Alex is uh, mortal, as any of us are, and thus, you know, people are complicated, right? People are complicated, and it's okay, and once you have found some peace and really centered your breathing and you can just feel that natural breath entering and leaving you, then, uh, because you still have your rear mirror up, because you didn't punch it, did you, big guy? That's my guy. Yeah, you left it right where it needs to be. Maybe even adjusted it to see it a little more clearly. Maybe it's raining and turned on that little back windshield wiper. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Joseph, you're, you're a smart motorist, my dude. <laughs> and, hey, 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 buddy. We're all proud of you. We just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> and then you're going to, um, well, Tyler, Tyler can explain. Tyler's better. At, at, Tyler can take you through the actual re-entry onto, onto the road. So you want to. You want to go ahead and and press that that brake pedal. Yeah. Shift back into drive. Now I don't know if you're using. Actually, I do know Joseph in particular. But in case anybody else is following along, um, you may or may not have a manual shift. Um, I can't help you. I can't help you there. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. I'm gonna hope that you have gotten to the side of the road because you know what <laughs> you're doing. So we're gonna leave that be. We're gonna leave that be. And then you're gonna, uh, you know. Keep an eye out. Look, look, look around. Make sure no one's coming, you know, towards you. Make sure there's no deer in the road oh, yeah. when you try to oh, re-enter when yeah. you're trying to pull back on. You don't want to hit a deer. Nope. They're uh, yeah. That's going to be your whole week. Nature's finest creatures. Oh yeah. Um, blameless and could, holy. Could get some good meat from it, but that's not. We're not. We're not going to. You know. True, worry about but that too look, much. don't be tempted by that right now. You got You got errands to run. Yeah. <laughs> in Italy. Yep. Um. You got some gelato to get. Rome calls. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh you you did it you're back you're in the there. road good job look at it look at that <laughs> no blue deer. sky and no that deer sky is all in yours the, in the front hood um so congratulations to our listeners and to joseph our our special little guy <laughs> <laughs> you see what happens when you talk about in-game alex do you see what it does <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think that was actually a fairly productive discussion. I think that ultimately was a positive that I brought up in game. <laughs> it's gonna be a, a headline um, next Wait, next week. What is that, like, Joseph? Is that Alex bringing up Endgame? Oh no, he did it again! <laughs> I was gonna say the, the traffic accidents have decreased, have like a a, a substantial <laughs> decrease in Italy ever since. See, you you thought our mission was to just talk about film franchises. No, it's about saving you on the road, one yeah. episode at a time, it's keeping you safe. Defensive <laughs> driving. Yes. Defensive dis- defensive driving. You see that person looking at you rudely, you floor it. 
It's exactly why we did the Fast and Furious movies to know what to what not to tell you to do. Here comes the slow breaking. Thank you. I crashed into that car for family. Where <laughs> Where comes the traffic? You'll know because you looked both ways. Mm-hmm. Check check your mirrors and use your blinker. You avoid an accident that way. Uh. Now car maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, off the hood (laughs) (laughs) look around realize you have no idea what you're seeing don't don't let the car be on still when you're putting gas in it yeah explode preferably stop the car (laughs) yeah don't 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 get a friend to just aim open the uh the glove compartment pull out the manual and then throw that out the window because you don't need it you got us (laughs) it's all in your head man and in your ears where you're listening to this podcast you got the knowledge. <laughs> Joseph gets pulled over. License and registration. Um. Well, here's my license, and I'm registered under the Here Come the Sequels. <laughs> and they go, oh, oh, right, right away, sir. Of course, our, our, our mistake. <laughs> it's actually Ooh. more like he says, ah, uh, yes, I, I have my Here Come the Sequels license. They say, ciao, ragazzi. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, bambino. Hey, babada, babada. You go on. You got a lot of pizzas to buy. It's Venezia, Britain. He's back. Talking about the like, strongest sticky boy. But this one Joseph also just shocked. drives away. And then one of them leans over to the other. <laughs> one officer leans over to the other one. He's like, Where was the crocodile sub? I was promised there would be a crocodile sub. <laughs> Oh, Giuseppe, we're on the land. You will learn the one day. Oh, you're right, Vincenzo. I'm so stupid. No, no, Giuseppe, no. Listen to the podcast. Hey, hey, Giuseppe. Well, now that we've successfully driven away all the listeners, do you guys want to talk about our recommendations with just the three of us and maybe Joseph? Sure, we should also rate the film. If we haven't gotten him into a car crash, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and put a plus for everyone. And That's definitely my me. rating. Yeah. Continue. Carry on. <laughs> good sir. Uh, Tyler, would you like to go first? <laughs> Speaking of cars, my recommendation this week is Fast and Furious Nine. There it is. <laughs> Hold on. It's F Nine, the Fast Saga. Okay. It's Friend Nine, Nine, the Pals Saga. Yeah, it's it's just a big, dumb, fun movie. Um, I think uh, so. I actually watched it with uh, Alex here uh, and I think we had we had. I think we definitely watched the same movie, but had differing interpretations (laughs) or differing levels of uh, value pulled from this. It's interesting how different our interpretations uh, converge or diverge, um, given that both of us were laughing throughout the movie. Yes. <laughs> I could tell, uh, like, Tyler was shaking in his seat. The, <laughs> and so was I. It's just, you know, uh, it is exactly what I think Fast and Furious has kind of morphed into. It is a, a big soap opera with questionable acting and but also like really fun actors yeah uh to go along with the questionable acting and action scenes that always involve cars no matter what they they find they are going to get those cars in there uh 
somehow, some way, which is, I think, a, a big strength is that, you know, they're just they're not going to get away from those brutes. A lot of people, I feel like, have have uh, made jokes about the fact that they like, oh, you know, they started with just st- stealing DVDs or whatever. Yeah. You know, like what well, they've, they've completely gone away from the premise. But I would argue as long as they've still got just, you know, cars flying all over the place, then we're, we're still in we're still yeah. on the, the right lane, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I won't say too much more than that. I think, I think it is a movie that kind of needs you to have watched the other ones to get any sort of enjoyment out of it, just because oh, yeah. there's so many layers of, it, it's so bizarre how dedicated the franchise is to continuity. When you look at literally any other franchise in, in Hollywood outside of maybe the MCU. Um, and even then they have some wrinkles, but also I guess they have more movies. But yeah, like the movie, the franchise has such a dedication to doing callbacks, bringing back characters, finding ways to work things in uh, that I just completely admire. Uh, And they don't care how it happens. They don't care what kind of nonsense they have to pull to, to work that back in or or bring characters back. Um, They're going to do it. And I love it. And it's, it's just my big, beautiful, dumb car movies. Uh, (laughs) And we are, we will, eventually get around to that as like an actual podcast episode um we're i think we're gonna try and go back to our regular schedule of doing those after they come out on home release so we have more time to gel on them and kind of uh get away from from jumping right on after the hype comes out um but i would definitely recommend if any of that sounds like it's up your alley i think it's a good time um but again if if you didn't watch through all of them when we reviewed them last year, I do think you need to watch through all of them because like <laughs> those <laughs> movies, they they sure do have a story. <laughs> um, I'll keep my review brief. I thought it was stupid in all the wrong ways. Um, I laughed a lot throughout it, but it was it was at the movie. It was not. I mean, the movie. I, um, same. <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, when I said the fate of the furious, I was like, they finally went crazy with the action scenes. I don't feel like they continue that in the way that I would have liked. So I'll leave it at that. And uh, they went full specter in terms of retcons and trying to connect stuff together. So I'll leave it at that. If Christoph Christoph Waltz doesn't get into a Fast and Furious movie, I don't know what movies were invented for. (laughs) Um, Alex, do you have a recommendation? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so I finished Daredevil, which everyone knows I love. So I'll, I'll set that aside. Uh, season three is the best season, by the way. Uh, perfect. There you go. Uh, so there's that. Um, and then I started rewatching a video game high school. Um, yeah. Made by, uh, Freddie Wong and, and Rocket Jump. Um, I don't know if it's all still on YouTube or not. Be interested to find out. Um, I originally found it because the first season was streaming as a movie on Netflix. And I watched it maybe like seven years ago, something like that. Um, and I, I have the entire series at this point. So I, I rewatched the first one and it does work very well as a movie. Um, and it's, it's delightful. It's, it's just like this quirky thing of like, what if the world was obsessed with video games? <laughs> um, and it's just th- this weird amalgam of, of like, harry potter but it's super cartoony and and very comedic um all the acting's great uh for for an independent 
production. Uh, the special effects are, are all wonderful and they still hold up. They've got a bunch of fun cameos. Um, and that kind of continues as the, the series goes on. Zachary Levi's in the first season as ah. one of their teachers. Okay. <laughs> um, and he's got this, this fun, uh, Southern accent. Uh, it's really delightful. And, uh, yeah, I, I recommend a, I recommend a revisit. Of course, now now having said that, I'll get to season three and be like, man, they really dropped the ball. I'm a big fan of the Guild, uh, so mm-hmm. I should probably give that one a try. Yeah, if I feel like they are cistern. Um, my recommendation is the polar opposite of F9 in many ways. It's not, it's less of a recommendation, I guess, and more of a continuation from what uh, previous Tyler recommendation, Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, it's great. Shocker. Uh, I love Bo Burnham very much. And it's... I don't really have too much to add to what Tyler said, except that um, the person I watched it with, what? Britain, uh, was pointing out that... We were talking about the whole mental illness thing mm-hmm. and how a lot of people have talked about, like, that could be really difficult for them. And, you know, your, your triggers are triggers and no one is, is wrong. And you, sometimes you don't know what's going to trigger you. But both of us were fine. And and she was saying that the movie, if you are someone who has dealt with mental illness, and I've, I've talked about my mental health stuff on this show before, um, there was a sense of like, oh, sure, I, I know what this is. But I think this movie was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of people who maybe haven't been in that place or haven't seen someone go through that to go, oh, I didn't know it could be like this. I didn't know it could be this bad or what it looked like, which is great. Like, I'm glad that people are getting an idea of that. And obviously, I'm really happy that that Bo Burnham felt comfortable enough putting that out there in, in the world. I found it easier to get through than I was afraid I, I, I <laughs> would. I, I personally didn't get triggered by it because I was like, I haven't been in this exact place, but I've been in my version of that place. Um, so still, you know, steal yourself. We, you, you never know. Sometimes we're triggered by things that are exactly what we went through or not. So who knows? Um, but it's also, there are genuinely very funny parts of it. There are very moving parts of it. There are very existentially kind of, oh my God, parts of it. Um, he, he really covers a lot of stuff. And I, I like that sometimes the summation is a big, I don't know. Because I think that's how a lot of us feel, and I think that's kind of how we feel about some of this stuff, and I, I think it works. Um, there's a song called That Funny Feeling that I really, really love. Yes. Once I saw Bo Burnham with a guitar and a somber tone, I went, I'm probably going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> this song is probably up my alley, and it yeah. was. Uh, yeah, I also want to emphasize, like, it is like an 87-minute art piece that does get fairly... Seri- quite serious and, and really tackle some important things. It is also funny. There are also silly, stupid songs that are there to be silly and stupid, and he's doing jokes about sexing or FaceTime or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's just, it's just funny. Like, you can still enjoy If you haven't gotten into Bo Burnham stuff before, definitely start with What or Make Happy or his, yeah. like, stand-up bits on Conan or whatever. Definitely start there um, and then build build your way to, to this. But uh, I, I quite liked it. Also, Bo, if you're listening, which I know you are, um, that mid-length long hair really worked for you. Thought it looked really good. Maybe not the beard, but the mid-length long, big ups. Also, from a personal standpoint, there is a lot of, um, this whole thing is a personal standpoint, (laughs) but particularly, there's a lot of uh, not six-pack 
ab representation in this movie sure. that meant a lot to me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> there is this attractive person just like very much like feeling himself and celebrating his body. And he does not have a six pack superhero body. And I am really happy about that. Thank you, Bo. Uh, so it's cool. And he's cool. And it's great. Inside. On Netflix. I will give it another try at some point. <laughs> there you go. And yes, it probably isn't for everybody because it is so uniquely him. Yeah. But I like that. I, I, li- I like seeing unfiltered art like that. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> exactly. You know, I was really... going to say Joker. <laughs> I... I'm so Joker's sorry. Better. Joker's better. That's the, I'm that's, so sorry. That's the triptych. <laughs> because I actually like Jack Snyder. That Jack Snyder. Jack. Hey, I'm Jack Snyder. Zack Jider. <laughs> Jai Courtney's Justice League. Snack Ziders. <laughs> Justice League gummies. <laughs> The Aquaman ones are blue raspberry, and the Batman ones are licorice. It's a punishment, because you deserve it. <laughs> Superman is cherry. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, don't don't stop now. Uh, the Wonder Woman is lemon, and the Flash, mm-hmm. for no reason, is lime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Steppenwolf okay. is grape. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's Steppenwolf. I like that he gets to be part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, what about Cyborg? Oh, Cyborg is mystery flavor. <laughs> oh, no. You're like, is oh. Green, is Green Lantern? Do we... Well, I'm just doing the Snyder Cut version. Okay. Yeah, but there maybe in every, like, fourth box, there is a little of that Batboy Green Lantern. <laughs> that you're like, oh, I guess this is watermelon for some reason? Uh, Dark Side is cotton candy. Um, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at hctsequels you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com uh, we're on spotify soundcloud spotify soundcloud oh god he's in a mobius strip soundcloud <laughs> and uh, itunes also uh, I did a little experiment yesterday um, oh no if you use your Amazon Alexa, it will play our podcast. And you tell it to play Here Come the Sequels, it will. Ooh. And she will say, playing episode 248, Teen Titans Go to the movies. <laughs> and I appreciated it very much. Um, now, when I say Alexa, you might be thinking, I got to get the boat from that Billy Joel song. No, no, no. it's a little cylindrical friend that you put in your house and it tells Jeff Beesbo what you're up to all the time. (laughs) Very, that's a very good way of putting that. I think that's the best description of Alexa that I've ever heard. So next week, uh, it's the big two fifty. Yes. Um, I know we've probably technically done more than 250 episodes, but it's fine. There were specials. It's going to be a big one. Uh, we're yep. going to, I think we've teased this, but we're going to talk about uh, some some of the, the movies we've done in the past. That's going to be part of it. Uh, kind of a retrospective. Be, yeah. yeah, doing a retrospective on everything we've done so far. And then we're, uh, 
we're introducing something new. We sure are. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We have set ourselves uh, a plan that uh, cannot be undone. No. Um, you know, these movies, they, they just start coming and they don't stop coming. To the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.